0: Alright, good evening, and as Steve has anticipated, we'll continue our uh, series in the Psalms, Psalm 4, so if you can turn there, um, we'll be reading it together in just a second. Obviously, this being a psalm is intended to be uh, to be sung, and uh, the this, this Psalter was really the hymn, hymnal of the Church of Israel, the Old Testament Israel, so there's a lot that was conveyed through the singing, uh, music is really a uh it is a conduit for emotions even nowadays even secular music he just really delivers uh, sometimes he punches you with emotions as you listen to a song that might recall something in the past or just a uh, different different things that's why a lot of the uh, the psalms are uh, just just uh, dripping with uh with emotion uh so let's i'm gonna pray once again and then we'll read the psalm together and then we'll uh we'll dive in our father and our god lord this is your word you inspired it you've uh, guided david to compose this psalm we ask now you send your spirit that the very same things that david intended the very meanings that the holy spirit has given him would be alive and well for tonight uh, that we would be able to grasp uh, some of these themes and this and be encouraged and built up and Lord we ask all these things for your glory and uh, none other uh, Lord we are humbled and thankful that you have called us out of a desperate dying world into the light of Christ and uh, Lord we are thankful that even tonight we are able to come together as a church family to enjoy your word and our fellowship in the name of Jesus we pray amen all right so let's go ahead and read it Psalm 4 I'll be reading from the ESV um, and um, follow along This is a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O man, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. In safety. Well, amen. So uh, the Psalms, I already mentioned that it used to be the hymnal of the, of the Old Testament church, uh, Israel. And I already mentioned that they're rich of, of emotion, of uh, human, uh, human feelings. Uh, but the, the, the book of Psalms is, is a different book when it comes to the Bible. Why do I say that? What do I mean? Uh, that most of the Bible is, is narrative. It's a, is a historical narrative of events that took place. Just think, for example, of um, of the Old Testament. The vast majority of the Old Testament is uh, really things that happen, events that, that happened or that would happen, according, you know, if you look at the prophets, there's just a, n- a narrative of, of events that would happen in the life of Israel from the beginning, from the, the birth of the nation of Israel, you know, out of the loins of Abraham, all the way through their flight out of, uh, of Egypt and um, all the things they've gone through, the, uh, the wars and the different kings, some corrupt, some uh, idolatrous. So those are all descriptions of events that took place in the life of Israel. Then you look at the New Testament, obviously the Gospels and the book of Acts, um, it's the same thing. It's a, it's a historical narrative of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and even the epistles, if you think about it, they're basically but a commentary, they're just a theological application from uh, uh, from Paul and others, primarily Paul, on these actual events that happen in history. Now, that's wonderful because, because redemption, salvation happens in history. It's something that the Lord has brought about, is bringing about, and will bring about in time, in history. Uh, but the Psalms are a timeless book, meaning that, the Psalms, although they sometimes refer to events and things that happen in the life of Israel, well, the Psalms deal with emotions, with human emotion. The Psalms are a bit of a window, a window into the, uh, the feelings uh, into the heart of, of a godly man that's writing the Psalm, particularly David in our case. So uh, why do I say they're timeless? Because the same feelings, the same emotions are those who every man deals with and ever will deal with. We are all gone through the same emotions because those don't change. Circumstances might change, but those emotions don't change. And that's why the Psalms are so useful for believers because uh, they're a bit of of an inspired prayer book that we can go through and it can guide us, it can lead us, believers, as we deal with emotions in our own life and we see how the godly man of old dealt with the same issues and he takes us through, then how do we do that? And, uh, you know, there's different emotions, there's different feelings, and there's different psalms. Uh, obviously you're familiar with their psalms of thanksgiving psalms of of praise and those are obviously when god poured blessing on the nation on the particular author maybe a bountiful harvest maybe the winning of a war uh so they're thanking and praising god for that there's psalms uh those are called royal psalms and those are psalms that specifically worship god for the king that he is and uh, even Appraised the the king of the nation as obviously we know as an image as a, as a um, a shadow of the great king to come that would be Jesus. Um, there is imprecatory psalms. You're probably familiar with those too. Those are psalms that they're they're motivated by a a holy. Anger, a righteous indignation towards an injustice, towards sin and wickedness. So the author is uh, enraged in a sense at the wickedness that he sees. So inspired, he pours out basically a prayer for justice. He's pleading with, he's asking God to bring these, let's say, perpetrators, the wicked men, to justice, that they would face God for what they have done. And then there's songs and psalms of lament. And those are those who deal with, uh, with sadness, sad feelings, with trials, tribulations, hard things. And um, Psalm 4 is one of those. It falls into the category of the Psalms of Lament. And uh, I know that we can relate. Because, well, how do I know that? Because you're human beings. So I know that life has ups and downs, has rough times and good times. And um, sometimes we all feel like lamenting about something. Now, obviously, I'm not referring to if you go through Starbucks, you wait 20 minutes in line, you get your coffee and it's lukewarm and that's a new lament, but um, that's not what I mean, obviously. I know I, I get a lot of those at the steakhouse. Oh, I order medium rare. This is a medium rare plus. And, uh, you know, okay, we'll get you another steak, but that's not what I mean. And what I mean is when um, you lose a loved one, um, when uh, you grieve for, your lost father for your lost child or uh, there's problems with uh, providing with your fat for your family it's it's it doesn't seem to go right i mean things that they're bringing a lot of weight on your shoulders and um and you're saddened and you are grieved and you turn to god um because you have nowhere else to turn and i know that we can We can relate with David in particular in this psalm. So what I want to do today, since uh, in the evening we tried to obviously keep it shorter, so we have maybe another 20 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. Um, So obviously we can't do an in-depth exposition of the psalm verse by verse. We won't be doing that. But what we'll be doing, we'll be just looking at how... David deals with uh, this struggle in particular that he's going through. How? What are the steps that he takes in the songs uh, in the Psalm of Lament? Um, and obviously, we want to extrapolate those out of the text and be able to use those in our life when we are going through some tough times. Okay, so how do a godly man, um, David in the Old Testament, how did he deal with with these particular things? And some for do speculation of when and how, why was it written? But I happen to believe, well, obviously, I studied this, and uh, uh, I believe that this was written as almost um, a pair, uh, a pair song with Psalm 3, and Psalm 3 was written when Absalom, the son of David, was seeking to kill him, uh, so I believe it's the same circumstance, and we can all imagine that would be terrible, I don't think any of us had our son try to uh, usurp our, thr- our throne and, and, and kill us, uh, so um, Obviously, David was under a lot of, uh, of grieving and a lot of sadness because of that situation. Uh, so what we'll do, we'll take, a, uh, I have three things that we want to look at um, that David does in this Psalm and it will be useful for us. The first one will be in verse one. So let's read it together. In verse one, it says, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So the number one thing, the verse one for believers, for the godly man who is undergoing not only stress, but great grieving pressure and sadness and even depression, let's say, is prayer. Prayer prayer david turns to prayer and he turns to prayer quite boldly if you read there he says answer me when i call oh god he's quite bold in his statement now this is not like david is being uh um just just like you know pridefully demanding that god would answer him just kind of like aladdin did with the genie you know he did this little lantern like well, this is what i want uh obviously david is not intending that but david turns to to God with confidence, why? He turns to, to God in, with confidence, because of two things that we read in the text. The first one that we ought to keep in mind is because David knew he had a clear understanding of who God is in his attributes and in his nature. He calls him, "God of my righteousness." So David understood that the righteous, he's a godly man, not because he is in and of himself godly so that he has earned God's favor. You know, God, I was so godly. Now you can answer my, you must answer my prayer because I am so godly. No, but God is the source of his righteousness. It is God who is holy and righteous. He is creator. He is, he is exalted. Um, he is God. So David is c- clearly understand who is, who is approaching. He's approaching a God who also is in, uh, let's say, verse 1c, who's gracious. He's appealing to God's graciousness. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Again, he's not appealing either to his own righteousness, nor to the fact that he's undergoing um, a trial, that he's a victim of some injustice. And I want to stress that because we sort of, I don't know if you guys have noticed it too, but we sort of live in a time where um, people love to be victims in a sense. It's like there's some sort of victimism. It's almost like if you're a victim, then you are all of a sudden entitled for a bunch of stuff. Um, and when you translate that in the spiritual world, it would almost be like, you know, if you were a victim of something, then you have earned God's favor because you were a victim. And I don't want to deny that we ought to be compassionate, kind and loving towards victims of, of anything, any crime. Yeah, it is a doctrine of demon to think that some, because someone was a victim, then they have earned God's favor. Because that's, that's demonic, that's false. Each and every one is a sinner and it's only by, the God, by God's grace that we can have his favor. And that's what David knows. That's why David says, be gracious to me. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. He's appealing to the righteous God and to his grace. So he can go boldly to the throne of God because he knows who God is and he knows, and he knows how God extends mercy to sinners. And the second reason why he can turn to God boldly And the clue for us is that we can turn to God boldly in the moments of suffering is verse one B. You have given me relief when I was in distress is because he is aware. He remembers God's previous dealings with him and with the nation of Israel. So it's almost like he's looking back and like, God, you were so faithful to me. You have helped me when I was in distress this time and this time. And then we know David's life has happened a few times. And this time and this time you've delivered me, deliver me once again. I know you will do it. And as Purge says, God doesn't do things halfway. The manna fell from heaven all the way until the nation crossed the Jordan. Okay. So God is a God who is, is faithful. God who, the God that has provided up until this point will provide in the future. It's a, it's a God who provides, Jehovah Jireh. He is a God who provides. So that's another thing that David is well aware of and allows him to boldly come to God and ask for deliverance. So that's the first thing we want to we remember in times of distress, and we all go through it sometimes or not. I was just talking to a brother just two minutes ago before we started the service, and there's trial times. It's, it's trials all the time in the life of uh, uh, of, of the church and and brother turn to, to pray to God boldly that He would deliver you from your distress. Um, by the way, that's what He was saying He would do anyways. But um, let's remember that that's the first step, number one. <clears throat> the second thing, and let's turn to the actual body of the of the psalm, and this will be the actual lament, the actual um, grieving part that. That uh, David puts out. So in verse two, he complains about some man. He says, "O man, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies?" David is not only um, grieved by what's going on with his own personal life, but he's um, he's frustrated. He's frustrated with men who are wicked, who are just lost and falling after idols and lies and material things blindly uh, trampling over God's decrees. And I happen to believe that we also can relate with this. I know we can relate with this. Um, how many times I have wanted to take some of my loved ones by the, by the shoulders and shake them. Like how, how long, how long are you going to waste time for this and that foolish thing? And uh, how long? And he's saddening, he's frustrating. And I know because I know you guys that maybe you had the same thoughts for your family. Um, some of maybe your children or, or your parents. And you're like, how, how you're saddened. How long are you going to continue doing this? It is literally killing you. Why? Matter of fact, there is a Puritan. Forgive me if I'm not remembering his name, but they, when they asked him a question, they asked him, if you had... The opportunity to preach a sermon to the whole world. That all men in the world would, would hear you. Say that you had, you had a strong um, bullhorn. And everybody in the world could hear the sermon. What would you preach on? What would be the text? And he said it would be Psalm 4 verse 2b. How long would you love vain words and seek after lies? That would be the sermon we preach to the whole world. How long? So we certainly relate to that because we have people, friends, family in our own life that we wonder how long we want to shake them up. So David was so frustrated. Yet look at the contrast. Then when he, in in verse three, turns to a particular doctrine we're very familiar with, he says, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. That's a doctrine of election so, when he 's so frustrated and grieved from the behavior of wicked men, yet he turns to the doctor of election that gives him comfort he 's comforted by the fact that the Lord has chosen the godly for himself that the Lord hears him when he calls and You see the doctor of election um, happened to be loved in this church, but it's cause of division. It is cause of uh, sometimes strife between, within, let's say, Christendom. There's groups of Christians that fight over this very doctrine and it becomes sometimes a bitter doctrine to some. Um, perhaps it's misunderstood. Pers- perhaps it's misexplained. Um, the truth is, it is an extremely comforting doctrine. It's one of the, if not the most comfort- comforting doctrine. And that's where David runs to he runs and finds comfort in the fact that even though he's in this trial, even though he's so frustrated, even though he sees the the wicked go after lies, after lie, idolatry and all that, he finds comfort that God calls his own for himself. And he hears the prayer of his own. So that will be the second pointer for us. Uh, Although we find sometimes that we want to shake up some people, like stop following these stupid things, yet we can find in God's sovereignty, the comfort, that he will call his own to himself, he hears the prayers of his own, and we can, again, go boldly to his, to his throne, because he does hear the prayer of his own. And in verses 4 and 5, um, just briefly, we won't really ex- expound on those really um, much, but uh, David really just kind of pleads for these people, pleads for, um, it would be even Absalom, if we understand that that's in the context of, uh, the historical context I mentioned, Um he, in a sense, suggests that they would, they would stop sinning. And in the ESV says, be, be angry, do not sin. But I, I prefer the NSB translation that says, uh, I think it's tremble and do not sin. Because the, the, Hebrew word there is really just the idea of, uh, of being agitated. But the way I look at it is like, instead of sinning and disregarding God, do the opposite. Stop sinning and tremble like God. Be afraid of God and stop sinning. And then tying in with the sermon this morning, ponder in your hearts on your beds and be silent. The key for these people would be just just meditate on your own mortality. Meditate on the greatness of God and your sinfulness. These are things that are very useful for unbelievers to do. And that was really the plea that Kurt had this morning for unbelievers. And that's the same thing that David here is saying. And then he's pointing out that they would offer sacrifices of righteousness again i believe that's an NASB translation meaning that the sacrifices that god really wants aren't the bulls and the goats and all sorts of those animals um but but a, pure, a clean heart a sincere heart and one who genuinely seeks after righteousness and of course in uh, verse 5b put your trust in the lord so um David is really pleading for these men. He's pleading for these people that they would do the right thing. They would stop sinning, fear God, put their trust in God, and offer sacrifices of righteousness. But anyways, moving on to the third point, the third thing that we can, we can get for ourselves when we are in times of, of uh, grieving and lamenting, the third aspect is about of joy. And uh, verses 7 and 8, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. That God is the ultimate source of our joy, and if we think that those circumstances that we're in, those are determining our, you know, our joy or not, well, this text flies right in the face of that. Uh, it is God who is giving us the joy it is when you turn to god in prayer and that these things are removed from you and you find joy just in and comfort just in god and matter of fact he says in peace i will both lie down and sleep for you alone O lord make me dwell in safety that you know he d- david was uh, in danger for his life in this particular time yeah he writes how it's god who keeps him safe and so ultimately this this confidence and this trust in God as the source of safety and the source of joy and peace, that um, that is really is the right response of the godly, the right response of the believer. So when we find ourselves in those situations, um, not only we turn to prayer and then we turn to a comfort in the doctrines of the Word of God, but then we have confidence in um, in God, who's the one who's giving us peace, who's giving us safety, and um, and I find also fit the that this um, was the, this. Uh, Passage was assigned to me as an evening service because we have those in evening, and um, this is a was intended to be an e- an evening uh, psalm. It was an evening song because it says that I both lie down and s- I will lie down and sleep. So he's looking at what I'm about to do. Um, when in uh, in uh, Psalm three, it says uh, in verse five, "I lay down, I lay down and slept." i woke again for the lord sustained me so that's why i said those were paired psalms because one is a morning psalm god sustained you through the night and then one is an evening psalm i will lay down and sleep and god will be will keep me safe um so i hope that it will be encouraging to us as we go to bed tonight to first of all to ponder in our hearts in our in our beds and to be silent as kurt said to meditate on our own mortality and then to remember that as we lie down and sleep God alone makes us dwell in safety. He is our our safe um, safe zone. He is uh, really the one who is uh, keeping us, you know, safe and all these things that you might go through and the brothers might go through with their family. God has it all in control. Um, let's pray, Father God. We thank you for Psalm four. We thank you for inspiring David for cream, uh, for granting him. Um, assurance and confidence in who you are. We thank you for granting uh, David safety. And we do pray, Lord God, that as we leave today, we will be reminded of the fact that when we are uh, lamenting for something hard in our lives, we turn first and foremost in prayer, knowing who you are, the gracious and good God, knowing that you hear the prayers of your people and knowing that you, as we lie down and sleep, keep us safe, Lord. And we cling to you for all these things. Amen.